Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 1. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? This chapter is all about the need for men to receive the wisdom of God. And to emphasise this, wisdom is being personified. By wisdom, mere human wisdom and secular philosophy are not meant, but rather the wisdom which is God's revelation to man. That is the only true wisdom. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 19, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore let no man glory in men. So true Christians do not look to the world for wisdom. We do not look to the world's experts to tell us what to think. We do not rely on the media to fashion our opinions. We do not look to the contemporary philosophical fashion. We rather look to him who is the personification of God's wisdom. And we need to understand that everything that we believe as Christians is contrary to the wisdom of this world. It's openly opposed to the wisdom of this world. What we believe as Christians is the absolute antithesis of human wisdom. And yet, one of the great tragedies of our time is how so many churches are incorporating the world's wisdom. And a classic example of that is the way the churches have embraced the whole climate change agenda. Now we read of the true wisdom here in verse 2. She standeth in the top of high places, by the way and the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. The Christian gospel is not some esoteric discipline for a few enthusiastic initiates. The Christian faith is not something practiced in a secret society behind closed doors. The Christian faith is a revelation which all people, without exception, are under an obligation to receive. 
Therefore, the Christian faith is that which must be heard from the top of a lofty height, so that no one passing by fails to notice the proclamation. Because the truth is so important that it must be proclaimed. We must not apologise for biblical truth. Oh, don't mention that subject. It might upset people. If it's in the Bible, we mention it. God's truth must be heard on all the well-trodden paths on the way which a person takes to his house every day. They must hear the truth. This is what verses 2 and 3 are telling us. Wisdom standeth in the top of high places. By the way, in the places of the paths where people are walking, that's where wisdom proclaims her voice. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors, where people congregate The truth must be proclaimed. And you know what? The devil wants another lockdown because it prevents the gospel being proclaimed. We have to declare this truth in public places. This is our calling. Wherever there is a continuous concourse of peoples, we must proclaim the truth and if people are prevented from gathering together in public places the devil is rejoicing we need to bear that in mind over the next two or three months and so if a person is a human being they must hear this message often in the open air people come up to us and say why are you shouting And I always say, we're not shouting, we're preaching. We're proclaiming God's truth, which everyone must hear. But the world dismisses it as bawling, as ranting, any derogatory term they can come up with. But what did the Lord Jesus Christ say? Matthew 10, verse 27. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And we're not going to keep quiet about it, whatever the police might think. Verse 4. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. Wisdom is speaking again. Men are only breathing because the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has created them. They have no choice but to acknowledge their Creator. As Paul says in Acts 17, Acts 17, verse 26. God hath made of one blood every nation of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. 
and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And just in passing, God has ordained national boundaries. Our government is sinning by not controlling our borders and letting hundreds of illegal migrants come in every day. God has appointed national boundaries and it's about time the churches got off the cultural Marxist bandwagon. So God has put men in nations. He's given them certain boundaries to live in that they should seek the Lord. For in him we live and move and have our being. Therefore, God now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained. So there, Paul reminds us that men are commanded to repent. They are under an obligation to repent. Therefore, we have a responsibility to convey that urgent message to them. Men are created by God and will be judged by God. Now, what a deception is the commonly held notion that religion is just a manifestation of culture or is no more than a matter of personal choice. There is just one true religion on this earth and it is that revealed in the scriptures by the Trinitarian God who created the earth and who will on a pre-appointed day bring it to an end by the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lordship of Christ and the reality of his coming judgment is the only true focus of all human existence. And that is our authority to preach in public. There is no other absolute truth in all the world outside of Christ. And we now live in a society which is trying to suppress any public proclamation of this truth. I know of a minister who has just been warned by the police not to say anything in public which offends atheists or those who believe in evolution. He's been given an official warning not to say anything that offends atheists or those who believe in evolution. What right have the police got to interfere in the public proclamation of Christian truth? But this is the society we are now part of, where the police think it's their responsibility to police people's spiritual opinions. We have to stand up to this 
and realise what is going on. There is no truth in the world outside of Christ. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. In the book of Revelation, our Lord describes himself as the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The word Amen literally means it is firm, it is so. This is Christ. He is that which is absolute, firm, never to be moved, truth. The Apostle Paul speaks of Christ, the wisdom of God. Therefore, as we read all about the wisdom of God, here in Proverbs 8, we are reading about the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, Paul says, Christ Jesus was made unto us wisdom from God. And in Colossians 2.3, Paul states that in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we preach Christ, who is the embodiment of all wisdom, and we must preach him from the housetops, and we must preach him in public places where crowds gather. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, Paul declares, I determine to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So Jesus Christ and him crucified is the sum of all true wisdom. Hereby a man finds everlasting life. So when wisdom personified issues a universal call here, in this verse 4 uh, of Proverbs 8. It is the Lord Jesus Christ calling upon all men to submit to him. Verse 4. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. That's Christ speaking. Verse 5. O ye simple, Understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Here we see that men without Christ are gullible and foolish. The problem, of course, is that they do not realise that. They actually think that they are sophisticated by rejecting Christ. But that is one of the handicaps of man's fallen, 
blinded state. Our Lord had to say to the wayward church at Laodicea, Thou knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They thought that they were faithful servants of God. They were no such thing. Many people rejoice in their rejection of Christian truth. It thinks that it makes them enlightened, progressive, liberal. And so people come up to us and say, you can't possibly believe that. This is the 21st century. As if the 21st century possesses some kind of superior wisdom to all the generations which went before. The word of God reminds us uh, in Psalm 14... The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. But the police say, don't offend atheists. Again in Psalm 14, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek after God. They are all gone aside. They are together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So opposition to the truth of Christ is a universal problem in the heart of every unregenerate man. The Bible calls the unconverted person in his unconverted state the natural man. He's living in the flesh. He does not have the spirit. He's blinded. And we're told told in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. And he cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. The unbeliever, therefore, is incapable of forming right spiritual opinions until he be drawn by the Holy Spirit under the preaching of the word. We therefore begin to see the utter folly of churches attempting to make the Christian faith conform to contemporary thinking in order to make themselves more acceptable to the unconverted mind. So, the temptation is, and many have gone down this path, let us keep quiet about LGBT issues so we don't repel anyone, so that they think a bit better of us. That's the temptation, and many succumb. True gospel testimony never tries to appeal to the world. True gospel testimony never tries to make itself acceptable to the world. We never go out and proclaim Christian truth with this thought in our mind. Well, what will they find acceptable and what will they not find acceptable? 
And let us make sure that we only preach what they won't have a problem with. Is that how we should approach our gospel testimony? If we did take that course, we would effectively be denying the Lord. Because the gospel calls upon men to abandon human wisdom. The gospel calls upon men to leave behind everything that they once believed in. And we live in a world where worldly wisdom is the mainstream thinking of the media and respectable secular society. It is thoroughly respectable in modern Britain to reject biblical truth. We are now dangerous fundamentalists and extremists. That is our status in the eyes of respectable society. And we have to ask ourselves the question, do I want the world's respect or do I want to please the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the question. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 19. It is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? The man skilled in debate and rhetoric according to man-made philosophy. Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For seeing that in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God uses preaching. He uses public proclamation. This is what this passage is telling us. Going back to verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places, by the way in the places of the past. She crieth at the gates. Christian truth must be proclaimed. Man's natural condition is such that he finds the Christian gospel foolish. We cannot do anything about that. We can't remould the gospel to make it acceptable to the mind of the natural man. We can't do that. Many have tried. Uh, And the gospel has been reduced to Jesus loves you and there's no mention of sin or repentance. Or many have gone for the social gospel. Uh, And that happens so much today. Don't talk about sin and judgment. No one wants to hear about that today. Talk about people's economic conditions. So talk about the government spending more on welfare benefits and you'll get an audience. Talk about the government rescuing people from economic hardship. That's the heart of the gospel. 
And so many people have been led astray by that. Methodism was destroyed by the social gospel. Instead of preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified, the Methodists went into social activism. Let's improve people's social conditions. Let's talk about equality. The only way you improve the economic and social conditions of a society is to change the sinner, to preach Jesus Christ. There will only be social and economic improvement if we preach Jesus Christ crucified for sinners. The social gospel is a false gospel. If we try to come up with a user-friendly message which the world does not find foolish, we shall be denying scripture itself. 1 Corinthians 1, again, verse 25. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. For behold your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God chose the foolish things of this world that he might put to shame them that are wise. So here Paul is telling us that generally speaking, the people who become Christians are not the wise and respectable of society. Indeed, it's the exact opposite. The heroes and wise men of secular society tend not to be Bible-believing Christians. As we have said, to the politically correct, liberal establishment, Bible-believing Christians are fundamentalist extremists. We have to realise what our status is. We are not part of the mainstream. We are the offscouring of all things. We are the scum of the earth in the world's eyes. And we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to carry on doing that for Christ's sake? Do we seek the world's approval? Well, of course, we know the answer to that question. But listen to what Paul says about he and his fellow preachers, how they were treated. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 4, 12. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world the offscouring of all things. We are the filth of the world. We are not those nice people down the road holding a coffee morning and a jumble sale. We are the filth of the world if we preach Christ and uphold the scriptures. 
So to the sophisticated opinion formers of Paul's day, the apostles were simply the dregs of society. Are we prepared to endure the same status for Christ's sake? Or will we succumb to the subtle temptation to mould the gospel, to make it conform to current thinking? The gospel is a call to abandon this world's wisdom in favour of the true wisdom. To become a Christian requires a complete realignment of one's whole outlook. Romans 12 verse 2, be not conformed to this world. God commands us we must not be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now the Lord Jesus Christ warns his disciples against following this world's wisdom. Matthew 15 verse 8 This people honoureth me with their lips but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines the precepts of men. And so instead of preaching the gospel all around the country, churches are preaching the secularist, mother nature, earth worship message of climate change. Instead of preaching the gospel, they are preaching climate change. Verse 6. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things. And the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of Christ are solid truth. Upon which a man can rest the destiny of his immortal soul for all eternity. All that Christ says is excellent. How precious are his words. For they are life. But they are only life to such as hear and respond to his words. Now in Mark chapter 1 and verse 21, uh, we are told they went into Capernaum and straightway on The Sabbath day, he, the Lord, entered into the synagogue and he taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Jesus Christ has unique authority. Infinitely above the foolish wisdom of this world. John 7, verse 46. We read this a while ago. The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. The way he speaks has a unique authority. 
Our Lord said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. When a man gives heed to the words of Christ, they become to him the means of receiving the Holy Spirit and new life and the power of the Spirit. How much do we value the words of Christ? And the whole Bible is the words of Christ. All Old Testament prophecy, we are told in 1 Peter, is written by the Spirit of Christ. So no one can ever say, oh, well, that's Old Testament, that's not Christian, because the Old Testament is written by the Spirit of Christ. So what is our attitude to the Word of God? Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Now, tragically, upon many people, the wise words of Christ make no impression at all. Because the understandings of fallen men are darkened. And they resist the Holy Spirit's promptings whereby they might see. A man will only discover that Christ's words are true if he is humbly endeavouring to learn. Truth does not just land in a person's lap. He has to be seeking it. Ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Unbeliever, the responsibility is on you to seek God because he has already spoken and you have not been listening. Isaiah 55 verse 3 Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. Verse 6, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Unbeliever, the responsibility is on you to come to Christ who is calling you. On many occasions our Lord said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Men have been given the ability to be troubled by their sin and their lack of submission to God, then the Holy Spirit has graciously given them ears to hear. And the gospel urgently declares, Today, if ye shall hear God's voice, harden not your heart. So what is Solomon teaching us here at the beginning of Proverbs 8? He is teaching us that the Christian gospel is the revelation 
of Almighty God and is the only true wisdom in all this world. And all men are under an obligation to embrace this wisdom. All people. The gospel is for people of every tribe and tongue. The body of Christ is made up of people of every tribe and tongue and in that we rejoice. This gospel must be proclaimed to all the world. It must be shouted from the housetops. And that is why we have to do what we were doing last week in Slough and High Wycombe. We are commanded to do it. Jesus Christ, crucified for sinners, is the sum of all true wisdom. Because hereby, through this message, a man finds everlasting life. Verse 5 here. O ye simple, understand wisdom. And ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. This is pleading with non-believers to come to the Saviour. To reject the wisdom of Jesus Christ is utter foolishness. All are under an obligation to embrace it. The wisdom of Christ is the most excellent message a person will ever hear. Because in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the sum of all wisdom. And we have to shout the truth of Jesus Christ from the housetops. Amen.